This is day 42 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Deuteronomy chapters 12 through 15 and Psalm 42. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us. Thank you for being our God, for choosing us out of this world to be called into your marvelous light. We thank you, Lord, for giving us access to our true potential. You have allotted great things for us to do in your name. You have caused us to see you clearly, and we thank you, Lord, for saving us from ourselves. So often, Lord, we forget the fact that we have been called out of obscurity, that we've been called out of chaos, out of darkness, and we don't want to go back to that. And Lord, help us to be strong to that effect. Help us to resist sin and to not even entertain evil. But Lord, rather that we would be salt and light in the world, and that we would speak your name with boldness. Please give us clarity in that today, and please allow the Holy Spirit to bless this reading. In Jesus' name, amen. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land, which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn their ashram with fire, and you shall cut down the engraved images of their gods and obliterate their name from that place. You shall not act like this toward the Lord your God. But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes, to establish his name there for his dwelling, and there you shall come. There you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution of your hand, your votive offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. There also you and your households shall eat before the Lord your God, and rejoice in all your undertakings in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do at all what we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the resting place and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. When you cross the Jordan and live in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security, then it shall come about that the place in which the Lord your God will choose for his name to dwell, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice votive offerings which you will vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every cultic place you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your gates, 
whatever you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. You are not allowed to eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or new wine or oil or the firstborn of your herd or flock or any of your votive offerings which you vow or your freewill offerings or the contribution of your hand. But you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God will choose, you and your son and daughter and your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all your undertakings. Be careful that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God extends your border as he has promised you, and you say, I will eat meat, because you desire to eat meat, then you may eat meat, whatever you desire. If the place which the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter of your herd and flock which the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates whatever you desire. Just as a gazelle or a deer is eaten, so you will eat it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be sure not to eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. You shall not eat it, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you, for you will be doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Only your holy things, which you may have, and your votive offerings, you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God. And the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the flesh. Be careful to listen to all these words which I command you, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you forever. For you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? that I also may do likewise. You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God. For every abominable act which the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do it. You shall not add to nor take away from it. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom you neither knew nor your fathers have known, of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, and your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him. But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death, because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid, and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you, and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom you have not known. Then you shall investigate, and search out, and inquire thoroughly. If it is true, and the matter established, that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, and all that is in it, and its cattle with the edge of the sword. Then you shall gather all its booty into the middle of its open square and burn the city and all its booty with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be a ruin forever. It shall never be rebuilt. Nothing from that which is put under the ban shall cling to your hand in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase, just as he has sworn to your fathers. If you will listen to the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments, which I am commanding you today, and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves, nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You shall not eat any detestable thing. These are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Any animal that divides the hoof and has the hoof split in two, and chews the cud among the animals, 
that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud, or among those that divide the hoof in two, the camel, and the rabbit, and the chiffon, for though they chew the cud, they do not divide the hoof. They are unclean for you. The pig, because it divides the hoof, but does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, nor touch their carcasses. These you may eat of all that are in water. Anything that has fins and scales you may eat. But anything that does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean bird. But these are the ones which you shall not eat. The eagle and the vulture and the buzzard and the red kite, the falcon and the kite in their kinds, and every raven in its kind, and the ostrich, the owl, the seagull, and the hawk in their kinds, the little owl, the great owl, the white owl, the pelican, the carrion vulture, the cormorant, the stork, and the heron in their kinds, and the hoopoe and the bat. And all the teeming life with wings are unclean to you. They shall not be eaten. You may eat any clean bird. You shall not eat anything which dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who is in your town, so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. If the distance is so great for you that you are not able to bring the tithe, since the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you, when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money, and bind the money in your hand, and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year, and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town, shall come and eat and be satisfied, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. This is a manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. 
From a foreigner you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. However, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God will bless you, as he has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. And you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of remission, is near, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in the land. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years, but in the seventh year you shall set him free. When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock, and from your threshing floor, and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this today. It shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he fares well with you, then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also you shall do likewise to your maidservant. It shall not seem hard to you when you set him free, for he has given you six years with double the service of a hired man. So the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. You shall consecrate to the Lord your God all the firstborn males that are born to your herd and to your flock. You shall not work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household shall eat it every year before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses. But if it has any defect, such as lameness or blindness, or any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You shall eat it within your gates. The unclean and the clean alike may eat it, as a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. Psalm 42 
for the choir director, a masculine of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Okay, let's look briefly at what's going on in Deuteronomy today, and then we'll go into that beautiful psalm we read. Chapter 12 begins by issuing a command that when they go into the land or they are somewhere that they are conquering, and the people there are performing idolatry of any kind. They have all these altars, they have statues, they have these phallic poles that are all over the place. They are to destroy them utterly. They are to remove them from existence. And that is an ongoing theme you're going to see throughout the Old Testament, where there will be generations that allow them to be built, and then there will be generations that realize that what they're doing is wrong, and they will destroy them. And they'll be rebuilt again, and they'll be destroyed again. They'll be rebuilt again, and it just goes on and on and on for several generations. Additionally, it also says that God is going to have a central location for worship. And obviously, at this time, that's the tabernacle. So he's commanding that if you have any sort of offering to bring, you bring it to the tabernacle. You don't do it anywhere else. He tells us this because of what verse 8 says. And I found this one interesting because it stood out to me in light of what we're doing in our personal devotions. Every night with my kids and my wife, if she's available, we have devotional time. And currently, we're going through the end of the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, one of the reoccurring themes that God reminds us in almost every chapter is that it says that they are doing whatever is good in their eyes. And yet it says here in verse 8 that you shall not do at all what you are doing here today 
every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. God has already commanded through Moses that they should not be doing that. And that is the central theme of the book of Judges, that they are doing that. So I didn't realize until I reread this again that this was a command. Obviously, obedience to God would have prevented all that stuff from happening to begin with. But this was a direct command not to do whatever you think is right in your own eyes. And we need to be careful of that as well. The way that church is organized, the way that we think we should worship God, the way that we think God is talking to us, we need to be very careful not to insert our will into it. Why? Because we will likely distort things. We will likely warp what God has already commanded. God is the one who designates how he should be worshipped. The Bible is the ultimate authority in all things, not us. So be careful not to be like them, that they are choosing to do only the things that are right in their own eyes. The chapter goes on to further explain where the sacrifices should be done, how they should be done, and in the event that the tabernacle is too far from you, there are some provisions that he puts into place here. And then he reminds the people that a tithe is required of them and it goes to the tabernacle. And again, it's because not only is God commanding it, but also a portion of it goes to the Levite. Because the Levite doesn't have any land, it doesn't have any specific territory, and they are serving the Lord, and that is their wage. So not only for God's sake, but also for the Levite's sake, they are to make sure to bring their offerings. When it comes to idolatry and all that, God even tells them in verse 30 here, that you're not even supposed to ask how their worship was done. You're not even supposed to inquire, how did they worship their gods? Because again, that's going to insert ideas into their heads that are not of a godly nature. And sometimes that curiosity gets the best of us, and we end up going down a rabbit hole we should not have gone down. Now, today, you could say that's kind of true, but at the same time, we need to be aware of what these other religions are teaching, at least on a surface level, because we need to be aware of what not to do. The Bible is very clear as to what we should do, but for the sake of evangelism, it is helpful to know what they teach so that you can counter it with Scripture. So this may not necessarily apply today, however, we should not dabble in other religions, nor should we incorporate aspects of other religions into Christianity. If you do, it's not Christianity anymore. It is your religion, and it is a false one. Verse 32 is also a very important scripture, and it's related to what I just said. Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add nor take away from it. This is very important because there are people who try to insert things into the Bible that don't belong there. Or there are certain portions of the Bible we don't agree with, and those portions of Scripture I don't want to obey. It's not up to you. You didn't write the Bible. God is the one who commands what is to be done. You take all of it or you take none of it. That is how God designed it to be. You don't ever add to God's word, and you don't take away from God's word. 
We're going to see this throughout the scriptures a few times where there are heavy consequences in this, especially if adding and taking away from scripture is going to lead other people astray. There is a special condemnation for people who choose to do that. So don't do it. It's not worth it. Chapter 13 is a litmus test of sorts as to how to gauge if a prophet is legitimate or not. If the prophet is speaking the truth in what God says, it will line up with, in their case, the law of Moses. But if it doesn't, then they are a false prophet and they are worthy of death. The other thing to look out for is their predictions. Did their predictions actually come true as they said? If it didn't come true exactly as they stated, then they are a false prophet and they deserve to die. Therefore, that makes it pretty clear what a true prophet is, right? It is someone who is able to give accurate predictions that actually come true, and it lines up with God's word. That is a true prophet. False prophets in this day were killed. They were stoned. Even if they were close relatives, even if it was your wife or husband, even if it was your kid, even if it was your best friend in the whole wide world, you were to have them killed if they were false prophets or people leading people into false religions. Try to deviate them into worship of other false gods. God intended for his people to be pure. He did not want them to be corrupted in any way. And that's how serious he took it. So if we think about the world today, and we identify false prophets in our midst, what lengths do we go to in order to stop them? Do we do anything at all? Do we remove them from our church? We obviously can't kill them, But God takes this very seriously because it poisons a congregation. And so if there's someone in your church that is spreading misinformation or teaching false doctrine or a pastor that is a false teacher, those people should be treated with great contempt and they should be removed from your midst immediately. Cut them out like a cancer because it's only going to get worse if you keep them there. The second half of chapter 13 also reminded me of the book of Judges, because near the end of the book of Judges, there was a time when the tribe of Benjamin went into deep idolatry, and in some ways they resembled Sodom and Gomorrah. And so the nation of Israel banded together, and they went into civil war against Benjamin. They were right in what they did, because in God's command, it says that if this city is acting corruptly, or if they are leading people into idolatry and all this stuff, they are to be under the ban, meaning that everything that belongs to that city is utterly destroyed. Men, women, children, animals, possessions, treasures, etc. Nothing is to remain. It is to be completely obliterated. And that's exactly what they did to the Benjamites in those days. They didn't kill them all, praise God, And there were some things that were done to preserve the tribe of Benjamin. But they were correct in marching against those cities and wiping them out. God commanded them to do that. And it was done, and it was the right thing to do. Chapter 14 goes into what food is acceptable to eat. And a lot of this is a shorter version of what God originally commanded. 
Then it talks about the tithes again. And then in chapter 15, it talks about the Sabbath year. Every seven years was considered a Sabbath year. There was to be rest for the land, and there was also supposed to be forgiveness of debts. And lastly, it talks about how to treat slaves that are Hebrews, as well as how to treat firstborns of the flocks and the herds. Stuff that we have seen before in the Law of Moses. And again, it's called Deuteronomy because it is a retelling of the original law, because this is a new generation and this is a refresher for them. This leads us into Psalm 42, and I enjoyed this psalm very much. These first couple of verses are iconic to me, especially because there is an old hymn at church that we used to sing, which begins with this very scripture, as the deer pants for the water, you know? It's a beautiful song that came from this psalm. Now, this was written by the sons of Korah. Now, who are the sons of Korah? Basically, after the temple was built in Solomon's day, they established a temple choir. There was a group of people that their primary job was to sing to the Lord. And the sons of Korah are among those people. Do you remember Korah? We read about him recently in chapter 16 of Numbers. Do you remember what he did? He was the one who caused rebellion in the camp of Israel. And he was the one that was swallowed up by the earth and his house and everything else. But it does say specifically in that scripture that the sons of Korah were preserved. So this choir group was dedicated to the sons of Korah. And I suppose it could be natural descendants of Korah himself, or this is just a group who's dedicated to them as a memorial for the rebellion in Israel. But either way, this is the church choir, if you will. And they write this beautiful hymn, which is also bittersweet in a sense, because it has some very beautiful aspects to it, but yet it also has some sadness to it, because there are struggles going on here. There are conflicts happening here akin to what David likes to talk about. So the psalmist here is describing how he craves God. He wants to be in his presence. He yearns for his presence and his blessings. And then halfway through, he reveals the distress that he's going through. He needs the Lord, and he's crying out to the Lord for help. But while we can talk about the issues that the sons of Korah are describing, let's focus on the primary point that is at the beginning of the psalm. It is focused on the desiring of God. Do we desire God like this? Do we understand that there needs to be a craving for him, an unquenchable thirst for the things of God? Because if we don't, then it is likely that we have an unquenchable thirst for things that truly don't matter in the end. Things of the world. Material things. And I hope that's not us. And if we don't have a craving for God, it is not too late. You can reignite those flames of passion, if you will. And the way that we do that is through spending time with God in Scripture, praying, and repenting. We need to be active doers of the word, not just hearers only. 
If you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you are actively engaging in the Christian life, and you are purposing to do what God has commanded us to do. Look at what we talked about in Deuteronomy today. If they did everything that God was telling them to do, and they did it with a pure heart, pure motives, God was going to bless the heck out of them. Even so far as to say that if the nation of Israel as a whole was obedient to God, there would be no poverty. Did you see that? No one was going to go hungry. No one was going to be homeless. It really makes you wonder as to why we have people in poverty today. Why we have people who don't have any food to eat. They don't ask, right? You do not have because you do not ask, as James says. Or as Jesus would teach his disciples in the Lord's Prayer, that after he recognizes the power and sovereignty of God, then he asks for his daily bread. Not only that, but he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these material things, such as what to eat, to drink, what to wear, they'll all be added to you. God is not limited by anything. And if he commands us to obey him and to worship him, then we need to trust that he's going to take care of us in return. Because that is a form of covenantal love that he has with us. That hasn't changed. And so we have to understand that God is good, and he is going to do the right thing all the time. He is also a God of justice, and if we are not obeying him, he will take action. So don't be shocked when those things happen. But secondly, if we truly love the Lord with every fiber of our being, and we purpose to obey him and to seek him, you will be blessed. It's almost a guarantee. So why wouldn't we want to do it? And the last thing to think about is that doing these things, obeying God and witnessing in his name, it goes well outside of yourself, right? It's going to affect people around you. It's going to cause people to repent because of what you did. You were obedient to God, and God used you. And through his power, you caused someone's life to change. And then more people are on board. Then more people are obeying God. And we can get this nation back to being a godly nation. It is not too late. We are not so far gone that God can't restore it. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It's because we limit God in our imagination. And we don't understand the reality of who he is. So as we go into our day today, remember that God is not limited by you. And he's not limited by anything in this universe. God is the God of multiplication. He is the God of impossible. And he is the God of unlimited blessing. Don't forget that and fully praise and worship him today in the realization of that fact. Now, there were a lot of good scriptures we could use to memorize today. But naturally, I think the one we should focus on today is Psalm 42, verse 1. This is the heart that we need to have for God. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. That dependency, that realization that without God, I won't survive. That thirst for knowledge and wisdom and love 
and understanding of God's nature. That's what he wants for us, and that's what we should want for ourselves. So be careful and quick to obey God in everything. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.